Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With the help of Squarespace, tackling your next move might not be as difficult as it seems. Whether you're hoping to start a business, change careers, or launch a new creative project, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform from which you can make your next big idea known to the world. And with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating your website is a simple, intuitive process. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code capital M-E-G to get 10% off your first purchase. And by Madison Reed. Madison Reed is a new company that's completely changing the hair color industry, giving you a better option, whether you color at home, at the salon, or both. It's the first ever at-home hair color that gives long-lasting gray coverage without many of the harsh ingredients found in other hair colors like ammonia or PPD. Madison Reed also has a love guarantee. If you're not completely loving your hair, their staff of licensed colorists will send you a new color kit on them. And if you're still not satisfied, they'll give you your money back. No risk, all reward. Visit madison-reed.com today to get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit when you use the code capital M-E-G. That's madison-reed.com, offer code capital M-E-G. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 22. It's called Kids and Sex. Yep, you heard me. Kids and Sex. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. So if you're uncomfortable, not to worry. Take a big, deep breath. We're going to have a lot of fun. Today is Valentine's Day. So what better day than this to tackle one of the hot topics that so many of you write to me and ask about? Sex. It's very important because this is a topic that I find many parents are scared to talk about, but they're scared that their kids will have an unhealthy view of sex. They get scared that their kids are getting unhealthy sexual messages, which they are. We live at a time that over-sexualizes and hyper-sexualizes our kids and throws them into sexual confusion. So we've got a lot of things to tease apart today. We're going to have a lot of fun. So get yourself a nice hot cup of tea or a latte or cappuccino, whatever's your pleasure. Glass of wine if you need. You might need that more than your uh, latte or your cappuccino. Sit down, listen, and I hope you're going to learn a lot today. And after my podcast, remember, if you have questions, write to me. And I want to interact with you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Meg Meeker MD or if you have questions send it to me ask Meg at MegMeekerMD.com. Ask Meg at MegMeekerMD.com. As always, I'm going to share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. And it's going to be particularly important with this podcast. And parents, remember, don't just download the episodes. Click subscribe. Because when you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution. And every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribe list. I promise you won't regret it. I'd love for you to write a review about this podcast 
podcast on iTunes. Let me know what you think about it. This is your podcast, not mine. Also, we're not only on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is also now available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcasts, subscribe today and don't miss one single episode. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 22. Stay with me. So here we go. My three points to ponder on the topic, kids and sex. Number one, teach your kids to respect sex. Many kids, because they receive so many sexual messages through movies and music and uh, Instagram, you know, sex is everywhere. And the message that kids get is sex is recreation. Sex is just another thing that we're supposed to do. Sex doesn't involve my attitudes. It doesn't involve my heart. It doesn't involve my intellect. It doesn't involve my mental state. It doesn't involve uh, my feelings. Sex is a recreation that I can enter into where I can be separated from many parts of who I am, from my heart and my intellect and my thinking. I want to tell you something. If you don't train your kids to think about sex differently, they will think about sex as a mechanical activity and that and that alone. You've heard about friends with benefits. I don't even know why they put friends in there. They should just have a group called people and benefits because the truth of the matter is many kids today, they're taught to view sex as simply a recreation that they should be able to enjoy experiment with, with anybody at any time, at any place. It's a very base, animalistic view of something that's very, very precious. You as a parent understand sexual activity. You understand its beauty. You understand the complex layers of sexual activity because you've been through it. Your children don't know what you know. They don't understand that if they treat sex as just play or experiment or as something mechanical during their teen years or their early adult years, they will see a day where they will rue what they did. They will grow into adults who probably will have, if they've had multiple partners, more than two or three, a sexually transmitted infection. They may likely have sexual dysfunction. They may well likely have um, some psychological disturbance about sexual activity because they will have had a detached involvement with sexual activity. They will have tried to have a non-emotional um, sexual activity, which will really mess with their heads because it's not non-emotional. Boys and girls know this. So if they use sex as the culture teaches them to use sex and approach sex during their teen years, it will come to haunt them and harm their relationships as they're older. Your job as a good mom or dad who understands the complex layers of sexual activity must teach them that they are playing with beautiful and hot fire. It is something to be respected. It is something to stand back from, to admire, to try not to hold too closely, but to let it grow and to let it ignite you. And it's something that is to be used for their benefit, for their pleasure, for their procreation. But it is something that must be respected. It is not 
a game. Now, you may be feeling like I'm exaggerating here because this is the beginning of the podcast. Wait till the end of the podcast. And if you still don't believe me that it is something that needs to be respected, particularly for children in our culture now, if you have a 14 or 15 year old now, write to me and I will put you on my podcast and we'll have a Q&A session. But this is a very, very important topic. Number one, point to ponder, teach your child that sexual activity and their sexuality is to be respected. It is not simply a recreational issue. Second point to ponder, the sexual landscape for your child is very different than the sexual landscape you encountered when you were a kid. And that's a hard thing for me to get through to parents. And it's one of my biggest frustrations. Believe it or not, when I talk to teenagers about the risks of sexual activity, the emotional risks, the physical risks, kids get it. Kids know that there's danger out there and they're struggling with this. But unfortunately, they're not getting messages from their parents Yes, there is trouble out there, and my job is to help you navigate a sexual climate that doesn't like you very much. The truth of the matter is, friends, your kids are facing a culture that is preying on them. Advertisers are using sex to sell their products to your kids, and they're using it very aggressively. And the problem is your kids don't have the armamentarium to guard themselves against those that you do. They don't have the intellectual reasoning. They don't have the sexual experience that you have to go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. That's really dumb to sext a picture to somebody. You know, don't kids realize that that could kind of mess with their head? Kids don't understand that and they don't know. So your kids go into a sexual landscape trying to navigate around all of these hidden minds on the ground. And your job is to get them around one mind and then another and then another and another. And there are far more landmines out there for your kids than you experienced. I didn't experience many as a kid. I grew up in the 1970s, went to an all-women's college. And, you know, I knew that my dad did not want me to be sexually active. And I, I felt no pressure to be sexually active. Because in that day, in the 70s, and even in the 80s, when I was in medical school, there were girls who did and girls who didn't. And then the next generation came along, my my children's generation, and they were sort of split. They knew, well, half the kids really are, and it's not a big deal. And some of us kind of don't know what we should do. But now, kids in my office tell me at age 13, if I don't have sex before I'm through with high school, something's wrong with me. And I said, well, nothing's wrong with you. Don't you know that 50% of the kids who graduate high school are not sexually active? Kids don't know that because the only ones who are loud are the kids who are sexually active. So if you have a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old child in your home, son or daughter, that child feels that they have to be sexually active before they go off to college or get out of high school and start a job. That's just the way life is. They don't have to like it. It doesn't have to be fun. It can even be painful, but it's something that they need to do. And if you don't train them that that is not true, they will be sexually active. You know, we are way beyond should we teach abstinence or comprehensive sex education, which is basically a synonym for teach them how to use condoms because that's the bottom line. And many people don't like the word abstinence. We use it when we're talking about drugs and alcohol and cigarette smoking, abstain, abstain. When it comes to sex, we are like, well, we don't want, we don't know what we should do. And the truth of the matter is parents and many ways are more confused than kids. But if you don't teach your child how not to be sexually active, he or she will be. 
And you might not have grown up with that kind of pressure, but that's the way kids are. The sexual landscape is very dangerous. Your kids are being told they need to be sexually active to be cool, to be liked. Girls in particular, kids are taught that their meaning and value comes from being sexy. You need to undo that. You need to understand, and this is very important, that we are living, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, we are living in a time where teenagers are experiencing an epidemic of sexually transmitted infections. This is really hard stuff to know, but you need to hear it because you have kids in your house. I'm not saying that to frighten you. I'm saying that to teach you and to engage you and to help you sober up. Sex in the teen years is a very, very serious issue. I wrote a book called Your Kids at Risk, and I, I have a whole chapter on condoms. I have a whole chapter on STDs. I have a whole chapter on anything you'd ever want to know about sex. Sexual activity is a gift to every single one of us. It is a gift to be cared for, respected, and cherished. It is not a mechanical act. And when we treat it as such, and we allow our children to believe that it is such, they pay an enormous price. Let me give you some numbers. You're the one who's in a position to help your child avoid these numbers. And if I didn't know that we could help our kids avoid this, I could never do this podcast, friends. I would never tell you such horrible news and go, oh, well, good luck. I hope your child's okay. We have the answer. We have the answer. So before I get there, let me tell you this. Today, one in four teenagers, not sexually active teens, but one in four teens is walking around with a sexually transmitted infection. Over 80% of those infections have no symptoms. So if I ask 25% of the kids who come into my practice, do you have vaginal discharge? Do you have penile discharge? Are you having abdominal pain? They'd say no, no, no. And they're telling me the truth because many of these infections do not have symptoms. A girl can have HPV. A girl can have herpes. A boy can have herpes and have had no outbreaks yet. I've seen that happen. I've seen children born with brain damage to parents. Uh, one parent who had herpes type 2 gave it to the other parent who never had any symptoms but delivered a baby who had brain injury from herpes type 2 but mom never knew she had it because she hadn't had an outbreak so this is complicated very very serious stuff delivering a baby with genital herpes is very serious business one in 14 is walking around with sexually transmitted infection according to the new england journal of medicine it's gold standard in medicine it was an article beautiful article in there talking about the fact that if you took blood tests from people across America, 20% or one in five of those people who had the blood test over age 12 would test positive for genital herpes. Doesn't mean they're walking around with sores. It means that they have that in their body. We now know that HPV, human papillomavirus, causes cervical cancer. In the 1990s, we didn't know that. We just found out about that in the late 1990s that conclusively human papillomavirus causes cervical cancer in girls, in women. There are about 80 Eight zero strains of HPV, but fortunately only about 12, a dozen, uh, cause cancer in men and in women. Teenage girls are more, more prone to having cancerous changes by HPV because the skin on their cervix is very different from the skin on the cervix of an adult woman. So it's, it's more complicated. The Gardasil shot covers a number of those 12, but it doesn't cover all 12. And boys get the shot as well because they can get penile cancer later on in life. Now, if a child or a woman or a man gets HPV, they don't necessarily have it forever. It, it can go away. The problem for doctors is we don't know which people it's going to go away in and which people are going to 
hold on to it. There was another article in a medical journal, Sexually Transmitted Infections, talked about the trajectory of herpes type 2 infections over a 20-year period. And they said if we don't teach our teenagers to diminish their sexual partners and delay the sexual debut as long as possible, in other words, wait longer and longer and longer to have sex, by the year 2025, which we're getting close to, 40% of all men and 30% of all women will test positive for genital herpes. Now, to complicate things more, many kids believe that oral sex is not sex. You know it is. I know it is. Emotionally, it is. Physically, it is. Physically, it is because I tell kids any infection they can get from penile vaginal intercourse, they can get from oral sex. Even dentists now have kits in their office to test for HPV because HPV causes oral cancers, laryngeal cancers, esophageal cancers. So now even dentists are looking around the mouth. Because kids consider oral sex not sex, um, they believe they can stay a virgin and they won't get an STD by having oral sex. It has become much more commonplace, even amongst um, younger kids, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. Kids will have oral sex on buses. They'll have them in locker rooms. They'll have them in bathrooms. Again, they think it's recreation. They think it's fun. They don't understand that psychologically it can have devastating consequences. I had a 16-year-old girl who um, came into my office. Uh, She had a suicide attempt. She overdosed on a bottle of Tylenol. Unfortunately, um, it hurt her liver, but it didn't kill her. And we were able to bring her back from that. The reason the girl overdosed was because she had committed herself to not having sex because she said, I don't want an STD and I want to stay a virgin, but my boyfriend is pressuring me, so I gave him oral sex. And after I gave him oral sex, we'd been together for about a year, and I really loved him, and he told me he really loved me. We had oral sex. He went in and told his friends that I had herpes in his locker room, and I was so ashamed, and I was so embarrassed, because now all of his friends and their friends knew I was so mortified, I just didn't want to live anymore. So kids are being traumatized, but they don't want to talk about it. Boys, I will tell you, when I talk to high school auditoriums filled with boys, teenage boys, it's always the junior and senior boys who come up and talk to me about the emotional risks for sexual activity because no one has ever told them that when they have sex with a lot of different girls over a period of time, they might not feel good. They are taught and they believe with all their might that if they're going to be a macho guy, a good guy, they can have sex with a lot of people. They're going to be on top of the world. They, uh, they're not going to get any infections because they're teenagers, because they also believe that they can go jump in their car, drive 90 miles an hour down a country road, hit a tree, get out of the car and go home for dinner. They believe nothing will happen to them. This is what we're dealing with. Our kids are not being taught. And even if we are teaching them, we have some barriers to overcome. This is very, very important. I could go on and on. Peruse my book, Your Kids at Risk, and just look at the chapter on infections that are out there. It's real. In 1990, we had two sexually transmitted infections, syphilis and gonorrhea. At the turn of the century, we had over 30. And by now, we have well over 35 sexually transmitted infections. And the sad thing is, kids think we've always had this. And they need to understand that this is a new phenomenon. The sad part is, here's another data point that you need. Teenagers in our country make up one-third of the American population, but they carry 
of all the sexually transmitted infections because my sexual revolution generation, quote unquote, got by being promiscuous and doing whatever we wanted. But now we've dumped all these sexually transmitted infections on our kids and it's on our shoulders to correct the problem. Parents, this is our job. It's not our kids' fault. And one of the things that I do to kids too is I apologize to them on my generation's behalf. I apologize to them for what we did and what we brought upon them because the kids aren't the problem. They will have the problems if we don't engage them and say, the culture is working against you. And I played a part in that. And I'm sorry. So I'm going to go and I'm going to help you with this. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Parents, we all know that talking with our kids about sex is uncomfortable. And when it comes to having that initial talk with your child about sex when they're about eight years old, I always say in every couple, there's one who's a chicken and one who's an even bigger chicken who just won't have the talk at all. But the truth is, no matter how uncomfortable it is, beginning a conversation about sex early with your child is extremely important because it puts you in the driver's seat. The tricky part is many parents often don't know where to begin or where to end? What if they say the wrong thing? What if they talk too much or too little or use the wrong words? Too often not knowing how or when they should approach the topic of sex with their child, many parents just don't do it. And then this leaves your child at the hands of the culture or his friends to teach him about sex. I have created a digital toolkit just for you called How to Have the Talk with Your Child. It walks you through the process of having that initial conversation with your child about sex. The toolkit's packed with a variety of resources and all the information you need to get ready to have that initial conversation, including ages and stages chart to help you determine when to have the talk with your child. There's an ebook on talking to your child about sex, a script to help guide you through the discussion. And for those of you who are really, really chicken, you're the big chicken, it even includes a video of me giving the talk directly to your child. How easy is that? Talking to your child about sex doesn't need to be intimidating or scary. It can be really a great experience and it'll help you establish a strong relationship with your child. This month alone, I'm excited to offer you how to have the talk with your child toolkit for 20 to 0% off. Just go to my website, megmeekermd.com, click on parenting resources and user code talk podcast when you check out. Parents, this topic about sex is far too important to hand over to somebody else to talk to your kids about. You need to do it. Go to my website, check out how to have the talk with your child toolkit, 20% off. You need to stay in the driver's seat when it comes to talking to your kids about sex and I'm here to help. As the year progresses, it's easy for some of those New Year's resolutions to fall to the wayside. But if you've resolved to take on a new challenge like starting a business, changing careers, or launching a creative project, achieving your goals might be easier than you think with Squarespace. Squarespace is used by a wide range of people and businesses, including musicians, designers, artists, and restaurants, and gives you the ability to create an online platform from which you can easily make your next move into a reality. With Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating your website is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade, ever. Though, if you do have a question... 
Squarespace provides award-winning 24-7 customer support and can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial seeming. So whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, tackle your next move with Squarespace. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code capital M-E-G to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. That's capital M-E-G for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. As parents, we often worry about how to pass on our faith and values to our children. How can we help them understand what faith is? What does following Jesus even look like? Well, I've discovered a terrific new book series called The Adventures of the Sea Kids. And these books can really help you teach your kids faith and values and even explain abstract concepts in a way they can really understand. The Adventures of the Sea Kids is an award-winning children's book series with vivid, Disney-esque illustrations that show young readers what a relationship with Jesus looks like in tangible, relatable ways. Whether it's the story of Fast Freddy teaching kids about courage and strength, or the story of a servant like Jesus, which teaches children the importance of helping others, each of the stories in the six-book series give children fun and entertaining examples of how to pursue a genuine faith in their day-to-day lives. I'm especially excited to share with you the newest book in the Adventures of the Sea Kids series, releasing just in time for Easter, called God's Easter Miracles. It's available for pre-order now at glmpublishing.net, along with the other books in the series. And if you order now, you get 25% off. Just use the code MeekerMD. That's glmpublishing.net and the code MeekerMD, and you'll get 25% off. It's very important that you understand the sexual landscape is very, very different for your kids. Before I go on to my um, point number three, I need to talk to you about the emotional aspects of sex. And this is what teenagers love to hear about. You and I know that the incidence and prevalence of depression and anxiety has gone up in kids particularly teenagers. And fortunately now, pediatricians are much more versed in how to handle depression in in kids than we ever were. When I came out of residency in the 1980s, we didn't have antidepressants. Pediatricians didn't know how to deal with depression and anxiety in kids, but now we do. And we not only use medications, or good pediatricians certainly shouldn't only use medications. We need to understand these things. Anxiety and depression are on the same continuum. Depression in a teenager is fundamentally about biochemistry and the psychology of it. It's about ungrieved losses that have dived down deep into the teenager's heart and mind that are sitting there and they're festering. And what happens is if a child incurs a loss or experiences a loss, I'll be simple, the cat dies. They feel sad, they cry, they grieve the loss and they go on with their life. But if a child experiences a loss that goes ungrieved, Grandma dies, but nobody wants to talk about it, and you're not allowed to cry in your house, and your friends don't understand you. You just don't talk, and you don't cry, and you bury the grief process of that loss, and then that gets locked inside the teenager's heart. And then he goes on, and he experiences another loss. He got a bunch of bad grades, and his parents got mad, or whatever. If he doesn't grieve those, but buries those, they begin to build as an 
abscess in his heart that just gets bigger and bigger and depression comes about. What does a depressed teenager look like? They're angry. They don't sleep. They isolate themselves. Their grades go down. They scream at their parents. Very important if you feel your child is depressed, you need to take them to their doctor and figure out whether it's just normal teen activity, which is not depression, or whether it's depression. Why could a teenager who's sexually active become depressed? One, we have good studies to show there's a link between sexual activity in teens and depression. Think about it. If you're a teenage boy, you're 17 years old, you've experienced sex with a number of girls, and you didn't have a great experience, you go home, you don't tell your parents, maybe you tell your buddies, but you certainly don't want to tell your buddies you didn't like it or that you had a bad experience. You don't want to tell them because you're a guy, and guys don't want to look like wimps, so they don't want to look like they can't do it. So they don't talk to anybody. So they figure, because they're a teenager, the problem is with them. So they go get another girl, and they try again, or boy, and they try again, and they act out what Freud would say is the repetition compulsion. They do it over and over and over to try to fix it. But what happens is it only gets worse, and they become numb on the inside. Because they're not dealing with the root of the problem, which is, I lost something, it didn't go well. I need to talk to somebody or pay attention to that. They just go back and back and back. So that child, son or daughter, happens to both. But in my experience, my personal experience, and I haven't seen this written up in the literature anywhere, boys suffer more emotionally after having multiple sexual partners than girls do because A, they don't talk about their feelings. They don't have a tribe. B, they don't want to admit that they're having a problem and see they're more likely to just believe the problem's them so they go over and over and over they just compound the problem but they have a heart and they're very sensitive people but they shut down and this is why they're more prone to having depression so parents please don't ever treat your teenage boy like he's nothing but a ball of hormones that just wants to have sex with everybody. He has a mind. He has a heart. He has an intellect. He has a spirit. He is a complex being who has a lot of sexual feelings. Your job is to teach him that, yes, he has wonderful sexual feelings, but they're not to be acted on because there's a consequence. He knows this in his gut and his frustration is nobody will tell him. His teacher won't tell him. His friends won't tell him. His coach won't tell him. And his buddies will joke with him about how many girls he can land and how many guys or girls they can land. That's it. But nobody will tell him the truth. Tell him the truth. Dads, Teach your sons how to live with sexual temptation and not act on it. Because if they do, one day they will come to you, I guarantee it, and say, Dad, Mom, why didn't you tell me I was walking into a firestorm? How could you let me do that when I was 15, 16, 17? Wouldn't it be much better for them when they're 30 to come to you and say, Mom, thank you talking to me and thank you for being such a prude. Dad, thank you for being so strict. I didn't get it, but I get it now. You protected me. You cared for my sexuality. Because let me tell you something, friends. Your goal is to get your kid to a place of marriage, to a lifetime committed partner, unscathed, as unscathed as possible. Psychologically, intellectually, 
and physically, because then that kid can attach to a partner for life. Think about this. Your kid's like a piece of sticky tape. Take a piece of duct tape or sticky tape and then oppose it to another piece of duct tape or sticky tape. You bring your teenager, sticky tape A, to another teenager, sticky tape B, and when you stick them together, they come together in sexual union, let's say, and things change. Believe it or not, physiology changes in that instance, which is a fabulous, phenomenal whole book written about that. You try to peel those pieces of tape away, it's hard to separate, isn't it? Right, because they're very, very sticky. If you bring those two, you separate it, you bring them back together, you do that 10, 15, 20 times, pretty soon the tape won't stick to another piece of tape. That's what you have when you have a 30-year-old man and a 30-year-old woman who come in union. They come to union with one another and they can't stick. They can't bond because their sensibilities and their sensitivities have been dulled. You know that and I know that your job is to get your kid into a relationship, a monogamous faithful, lifelong relationship, that's point number two. Point number three, the best chance that your child has of staying away from sex in his teen years or her teen years is you. Here's why. You hold all the power in your teen's life. You say, ah, no, I don't know. You should see my teenager. They yell, they scream, they throw things. I know, I get it. They're a teenager. You're not supposed to be their friend. You know, and, and I know they're very frustrating to live with, but the truth of the matter is they do have a heart. And I have never met a teenager I didn't like, and I helped start a halfway home for girls and boys in our community. So I've met a whole lot of teens in 30 years, teens in jail, teens who've um, done a whole lot of horrible things because the nastier the kid, the younger they are emotionally. When I say nasty, angry, tatted up, pierced up, bald 18-year-old kid screaming at me in my office, I see a five-year-old baby girl or baby boy curled up inside that shell because the nastier they look, the more emotionally immature they are. They haven't had their emotions develop. That's what I see in a kid. How do we know? How do I know? And why do I say to you that you are the key to keeping your son or daughter, I don't care what age they are, away from sexual activity, not having just safe sex, which the NIH and the CDC, they don't even use that term anymore. There's no such thing as safe sex. You understand that. I didn't talk about condoms, but they don't work well against everything. HPV didn't work well at all because it's skin-to-skin contact. Same with herpes. There is no such thing as safe sex, but you are the key to your child's healthy sexual activity and healthy sexuality. Here's why. There was a study done where they started with 90,000 kids in America teenagers looking at their lives and the researchers wanted to know a couple of things what are the factors operating in a teenager's life that keep them away from the high-risk behaviors according to physicians high-risk behaviors according to us are drugs alcohol sex it's kind of funny that in a world where you know kids think that sex is recreation every physician understand sex is high-risk activity. We put in the category of, you know, violence, drugs, and alcohol, something that we need to teach our kids to stay away from. But the study found, after studying with 90,000 kids, that the overwhelming number one factor operating in a teenager's life that keeps them away from all the bad stuff, sex, drugs, and alcohol, is something called parent connectedness. And what that means is having an adult in their life 
It didn't say whether they're married or not. It didn't say whether it was mom or dad. A parent in their life who looks at that kid and says, I've got your back. I'm here for you. I will never leave you. No matter what troubles you come against, I'm going to help you navigate through them. I know the world doesn't like you very much, but guess what? I do. I believe in you. I believe in your strength. I believe in your ability to stay away from drinking, from drugs. I am here to help you stay away from sexual activity because let me tell you something, it's complicated. Teenagers tell me all the time, if I'm treating them from depression, I say, I'll treat your depression, but you got to do one thing for me, stop being sexually active. And they look at me and go, that's dumb. Why would I do that? And I said, well, because sex messes with your head. And they go, yeah, it does. And then they stop for a week or two or three and they come back and they go, yeah, okay, now I can deal with my depression. But sex muddies things. It complicates things. Parents are overwhelmingly the number one influence in a teenager's life that keeps them away from sex, drugs, and alcohol. That's the good news. That's the bad news. But it's overwhelmingly good news because chances are great that you, mom or dad, who are listening to my voice right now, don't believe that. You believe that your teenager wants nothing to do with you. You believe that your teenager looks down on you, disrespects you, wants nothing to do with you, isn't going to listen to what you say, doesn't even want a relationship with you, but I will tell you, I have not met you, but I have met you. You're wrong. Because I know kids, I've seen a whole generation of kids who've grown up and turned into adults who are raising their kids now exactly as their parents raised them. Why? Because their parent is in them. The 30, 32, 33-year-old kids now that I'm seeing and I'm taking care of their children, they're a reflection. It's like looking in a mirror and seeing their parent who's now 55 years old. Your children, whether they want it or whether they don't, will internalize your beliefs, your thoughts, and your feelings about them, and that will embed itself into their character, into who they become. I have a course called 12 Principles of Raising Great Kids, and one of those principles answering the three most important questions your child has of you, and that is just because that shapes their character. And those questions, mom or dad, what do you believe about me? Mom or dad, what do you think about me? And the third one is, mom and dad, what do you hope for me? And I walk through why that's so important. Critical to the development of a strong, healthy character in your child. But it is on your shoulders. That's the good news. But what that means is your kids, maybe your son is playing Grand Theft Auto or these other games where there's rape and violence and killing and everything's hypersexualized. And maybe you're, um, maybe he's into porn, which by the way, men and what women, you've got to, got to be checking the sites your kids are going to, particularly your boys, because every healthy, natural boy is going to have pornography jump into his lap. He doesn't have to go looking for it. It'll jump. And then he could get hooked. Very, very important. But you are the one that has the power, not the pornography and not all the singers and all the artists out there who are trying to sexualize your kids. There are people, but their influence pales in comparison to yours. Why? Because your teenager is connected to you by a love that is based in need. 
Your son or daughter needs to have love from you. They don't need to have love from those artists. They don't need to have love from pornography or anything else. That's why 50-year-old, 60-year-old men are still trying to make their dad happy. That's why daughters who are in their 70s are still wanting something more from their dads. Maybe you hate your dad. But be honest, you still have that hatred because something's not resolved. You want more healing. Maybe you still miss your dad, but that's because you want one more day to just hold his hand. You just want a little more love. You want a little more connection. It's parent connection that drives your kid. Whether your kid is two or five or 55, it's parent connection, that desire to have better with or from your mom or dad. Now, look at your kid that is up in his room or is driving errands for you right now or is at prom with her boyfriend is looking to you for that connection. And that child wants to know, mom or dad, what do you think about me being sexually active? Should I or shouldn't I? What do you think about me sleeping around Dad, what do you want from me? Dad's listen to me. If you want to keep your your daughter out of the backseat of some boy's car, you better talk to her and you better tell her, honey, they're going to be boys that are going to want to put their hands in your shirt and other places. And when that happens, you push them back and you say, listen, my dad will come after you. My dad won't let you. If you have a, if you're a single mom, you tell your daughter, your mom will come after you. You are their excuse. They don't need to say no. They say, look, I got a psychotic mom or dad at home and they're going to go ape if they find out. And and I like you enough to want to keep you alive. So we better not. You can always be your kid's excuse. I mean, my kids had a terrible time growing up in a small town whose mother went around to every high school saying, look, guys, sex is too great to waste when you're a kid. You think it's going to be fun when you're 17? Wait till you're 27. Wait till you're 37. Wait till you're my age. And then they gag and then they sputter and then they crawl under their seat because I'm a grandma. Right, kids? You got grandparents alive? Let me tell you. One of the things that I think I, that I do with kids that's helpful and it's fun. And this is why I have a lot of fun talking to kids about sex is this. When I start with a with a, an auditorium full of six, seven hundred teenagers, I walk to the very edge of the stage and I look at them and I look at them and I don't say anything. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you something one one thing here today. Sex is incredible. It is awesome. And they cheer and they cheer and they go whoop whoop and they holler and oh this lady's cool. She's gonna tell us how to do it better. And then I say, and I let it calm down. I say, I want to tell you something. If you're a 15 year old boy right now and you die at age 75, your body is equipped for 60, 60 years of sex. Functionally, you can do it for 60 years and they holler and they laugh and they love it. And the girls kind of sit there and go, oh, what, what? And then I say to them this, okay, my job as a pediatrician, as your doctor, is to give you as many of those years as possible. That's why what you do in the next five or 10 years, it's going to influence 50 years of sex. And they go, oh, huh, okay. So I said, you got to really pay attention to what you do for the next five or 10 years. Say this to your kids. And then I say, well, wait a minute, just to prove a point, how many of you are, your parents are still alive? And there's dead silence. And then they look at me and they kind of go, oh, come on. Because let me tell you something, parents, in your kids' eyes, there are two people in the world that are not sexually active and you are one of them. 
So for all you dads who are worried about what to tell your son that you did, get over yourself. Don't worry. They don't want to hear it. That is too gross. And then I say, well, how many of you younger students, grandparents are still alive. And then you hear moans that I didn't know could come out of a human being's mouth. And I say, so do you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? Your body's created for decades of incredible sex. So in order to get you there, I need you to listen to me. It's emotional, it's intellectual, it's spiritual, and it's physical. And if you start now, you're going to complicate all those different layers of your life. So really pay attention. And if you tell that to your kids, they're on the same page as you and they know that you are taking them seriously and they start to take you seriously. So let me finish up here with my three points to ponder. I've given you a lot to think about today. Point number one, teach your kids to respect sex. It's a gift. Two, understand that the sexual landscape for your son or daughter is very different than yours was. You got to know the numbers. You got to know the facts. You got to know what's going to happen to them. They start being sexually active when they're 15 or 16. Third, you are the key to keeping your kids away from sexual activity. Not the culture, not the friends, not the sex ed teacher. It's you. And the responsibility is on your shoulders to engage them and connect with them and have the conversation. Parents, you know that I love answering your questions, and we didn't have time to get to reader questions today, but I promise I'm going to answer the questions in a future podcast. There is so much to talk about with sexual activity in your kids, and I mean, we could do three whole podcasts on it because the confusion and the questions that parents have and kids have about the landscape and what do they say and what do they not say, remember, I created a toolkit on my website just for you on how to talk to your kids about sex. And you need to go to my website, megmeekermd.com. Check it out. And I talk to you about how to talk to your kids about sex. Use this podcast. It's best if it can be you talking to them. But I, I did do an extra favor. If you don't want to have that talk with your kids, I will do it for you. I create a video where you can literally just put me on the screen, push play. I'll give them an earful. Listen to it first. Make sure you approve. If you don't approve, don't turn it on. And then talk to your child about the video afterwards. So I tried to make it as easy for you as possible. I realize this has been a very hard podcast. I hope you understand. I am not here to frighten you. I'm here to tell you, never, ever parent out of fear. Understand, have knowledge, parent from strength, not fear. I know there's a lot that's kind of shaken you up. It's all true. I have bibliographies. Look at my book, Your Kids at Risk. All my data and more is in there. It's one of the deep, dark secrets in America that nobody wants to talk about because it's attached to money. It's a billion-dollar industry selling sex to your kids and my kids. You are the answer for your kids. I know without a shadow of a doubt that any of you, I don't care if you're a single dad or a single mom, I don't care if you're scared to death, I don't care if you're a high school mom with a baby in your hand and you're listening to it, you have what it takes to get your child to a relationship where they're ready for a lifetime partner, where they are 
unscarred and unscathed physically, spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually. I know you can do it. You are braver than you think. Maybe even have your child listen to this podcast and have them listen to it and say, okay, let's talk about this. Do you think she's crazy? Um, do you think she's right? Let's, let's, let's Google her data and look at it. Let's, let's go to the New England Journal of Medicine, check it out. My job is to help you teach your young adult that sex is amazing and it's incredible and it isn't to be trashed and it's not to be stepped on. You have the power to prevent it. So don't let that happen. So remember, good parents, be strong, take heart, be positive and believe in yourself. And always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 22, Talking to Your Kids About Sex. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over a half a million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. Just as a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode.